0: I've never been described as a viral sensation. I don't know if that's a good thing or something I need to go to the doctor for. We'll look into that. Good morning, First Church. How you doing? Great to be with you this weekend. What an honor to be a part of this series. I will too, my dear friends, L.D. Campbell and Darren Moranti. I think you'd agree they're two of the godliest men, two of the godliest men that I know, and two of the greatest teachers that I know. And it is, I mean, it's just a privilege to teach with them in this series Uh, For those of you who have not met, my name is Chad Cadell. I am the principal at Union Point Academy in Florence, Kentucky. Uh, If you've not heard of me until today, maybe you've seen me on this crazy thing called social media. And these wacky things called snow day videos. I've been deemed the singing principal. Welcome to church, yeah, yeah. Let's get that out of the way. All right, we're done. We're done. We're done. Moving on. You know that's a lot of fun, Uh, but out of the gate this morning, I'd want you to know that above all that craziness and fun, uh, my greatest joy comes from being in a personal relationship with Jesus, and uh, my family's greatest thrill is that we get to call this place home. This is our home church, and uh, man, what a what a blast to be with you this morning. Being a principal, uh, I'm around kids all day long, and uh, when I became a principal, I didn't want to lose contact with kids. That's um, so why I love being in the classroom for years. I, so today I still go into the classrooms, I eat lunch with kids every day, and on Friday of this week, I was having lunch at the first and second grade table. There is some deep conversation that takes place <laughs> at that table. So I said, hey, what are you guys doing this weekend? We were talking and bantering a little bit. I found this little first grade girl, she goes, Mr. Chad, what are you doing this weekend? I said, believe it or not, I'm preaching at my church. She said, what? She said, so what are you going to talk about? I said, well, what do you think I should talk about? She said, well, I think you should talk about Jesus. I said, that's good feedback. Like I'm, good. I'm writing that down. That is good stuff. Well, that got the whole table popping, right? Kids all of a sudden listen to a girl. Mr. Chad, I know where Jesus lives. He lives in heaven. Another kid, mm-mm, he lives in my heart. All of a sudden, this kid at the table, Mr. Chad, over here. Yeah, Bobby, go ahead. He said, I can tell you exactly where Jesus lives. He lives in the bathroom. (laughs) What? The table got ultimately silent for a few moments. I collected myself, and I finally said, okay, uh, buddy, how do you know this to be true? He said, well, every morning when my dad gets up, he bangs on the bathroom door and he yells out, good Lord, you still in there? (laughs) From the mouths of babes. When you work with kids, every day is just loaded with these life lessons from kids. You learn from them. And I not only learn from them, but I also learn from our great faculty, the awesome teachers on our staff. They're always sharing incredible stories and and great resources. And a few months ago, my family was getting ready to go on a long weekend trip. And so one of my colleagues said, Hey, Chad, I got this book you got to read. Take it with you. See, it's a kid's book. It's an easy read. So I threw it in my bag and... Honestly thought, this is just going to be kind of a pretty shallow book. I'll read it. But what I thought was going to be a shallow read ended up being a book of incredible depth. It was a book by Susie Becker called The All Better Book. And it's this fascinating book where they present to children some of the big problems we're facing in the world today. And they asked those students to provide solutions to those problems. And one of the questions they posed to them was this. They said, with all the billions of people in the world today couldn't somebody come up with some type of system or solution so that no one any longer has to be lonely or hurting? They looked at these kids and said, what do you think? And their answers were fascinating. Kalani, age eight, said this. She said, I think people should find the lonely and hurting people and ask them their name and address. Then ask people who aren't lonely and hurting their name and address. When you have an even amount of each, assign the lonely and hurting people to the not-so-lonely-hurting people together in the newspaper or on the Facebook. <laughs> Pretty good idea, right? Max, age nine, said this. This was his solution for loneliness and hurt. He said, make food that talks to you when you eat. <laughs> I like Max. <laughs> and that's not too far out. Just this week, I was meeting a friend at Applebee's for lunch. And I got there a little early, so I went to the bar area and grabbed a Coke Watch some ESPN, kind of munching on some pretzels there, when the oddest thing happened. I hear these voices from on the counter. Those pretzels were talking to me. No, really. They looked at me and they said, Hey Chad, big guy. Hey, man, you're a good looking guy. <laughs> I said, Thanks. And they didn't stop there. They said, You just seem like such a genuine, authentic kind of guy. I said, oh, man, you're, you're so thoughtful. Thank you. Finally, I asked the guy behind the bar. I said, hey, dude, what's the deal with these pretzels here? He said, oh, nothing. They're just complimentary. <clears throat> Let me go on record right now and apologize for the dumbest, church, or dumbest joke ever told in the history of the local church. And there you have it. Steve Harvey must be having a slow news week coming up here. (laughs) But that was Max's solution to loneliness. Make food that talks to you when you eat. (laughs) Well, Brian, age nine, I thought his response was kind of sad. He said, sing a song, stomp your feet, read a book. Sometimes when I think nobody loves me, that's what I do. (laughs) But with all the billions of people in the world, (laughs) couldn't somebody come up with some type of a system or a solution? So that we no longer have people that are lonely, that are unloved, that are disconnected. And what I hope you learn with me this weekend is that somebody did. God did. (laughs) And this elaborate fancy system he came up with to pull all this off is you. (laughs) And it's me. The church. Jesus in Matthew five, he's coming off the Sermon on the Mount. At the very end, he drops a truth bomb. And as you hear these words that came from the lips of Jesus, I want you to imagine he's writing us a letter as a church. And at the very beginning of that letter, it starts by saying, Dear First Church, listen to his words in verse 14. Dear First Church, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. And by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. First church, this is us. This is us. As we call a time out these last few weeks to stop and go, okay, as a church, who are we really? Why do we do all of this around here? This is us. We exist for the community and the people that are out there that aren't here yet. <laughs> and we're called to go and to take the hope of Christ where we live, work, and play. Beyond these four walls. Beyond our comfort zones. There was a little boy one night who was having a hard time falling asleep. His dad had gone in and finally plopped down on his lazy boy and he's watching the game. All of a sudden he hears, Dad, come here. As a parent, you never want to hear that. You're like, are they puking? What's going on? So he makes the trek down the hallway. He goes in there and he says, buddy, what's wrong, man? Calm down. He says, Dad, I'm scared. It's dark in here. I'm scared. He said, man, it's okay. Listen, God's here. God's with you. He got him settled back down, went back down, got his chips, turned the game back on. About 10 minutes later, dad, dad, I'm scared. Oh, you love your kids, but you know, you're like, come on, really, I'm, I'm exhausted. Goes back into the bedroom, buddy, what's up? He said, dad, I'm scared. It's dark in here, I can't sleep. He said, son, I told you, it's okay. God is with you. Calm down, buddy. Okay goes back into his man cave. About 30 minutes into the game this time, he settled in. Everything's good. Dad! Come here, I'm scared! Oh, makes the trek back down the hallway. He's pretty frustrated this time. He says, son, for crying out loud, for the third time, I'm telling you, God is here. Calm down. He says, I know, Dad, but it's dark. I'm scared. He said, son, God is with you. And his son kind of wiped his tears and he said... Dad, I know you say he's here, but sometimes I just need God with skin on. (laughs) Church, we have been called to go and to be God with skin on in the lives of people. A visible picture of an invisible God they can't see. If you don't get anything else I'm going to say today, please write down what I'm about to say put it on a post-it on your bathroom mirror, get a tattoo of it, shave it in the side of your dog, I don't care. <laughs> but please get this truth. The church is even more powerful when we're scattered than when we're gathered. Amen? Amen? Say it with me. The church is even more powerful when we're scattered than when we're gathered. My son was go, I don't know about that, Chad. I love coming here and and singing songs and pounding that coffee in my groups and and it's all great things. And you know what? That is powerful time. When we gather as the body and we're in the presence of God and we're worshiping, but whoa, when we unleash that and boom, shoot that out there, it's even more powerful when we're scattered where we live, work, and play. My man, L.D. Campbell. Didn't he drop it last week? Awesome. Oh, my word. Fantastic. L.D. stood up here and reminded us Boone County to this day, 68% of Boone County is still unchurched. You go over to Kenton County, 86% of Kenton County still unchurched. In northern Kentucky alone, they're right at 400,000 people. And in the series with a megaphone, we're trying to shout from the mountaintops, we exist for those 400,000. And as LD and Darren have said these past couple weeks, that doesn't mean we stop ministering to those who already call this place home. That'll always be a priority and be important. And it doesn't mean we stop celebrating the amazing legacy of this church and an incredible past. We celebrate, but we're never satisfied. We're not done. We're just getting started. And at least for me, instead of my church experience being about my preferences and my traditions and, and my comfort and my opinion, I want it to be about doing anything short of sin to reach people in our community that are far from God and they're not here yet. This is us, and it's about them. Somewhere along the way, in the local church in America over the last 50 years, we've almost kind of fostered and created what I would call kind of a sit-and-soak Christianity. (laughs) It's this kind of Christianity where uh, we come on the weekend, we love weekend services, we gobble up Bible studies, we pound Christian radio pointing the way to the one, we love conferences and retreats, and those are all really good, important things. But if we're not careful, our walk with Christ, our church experience, can kind of become like an adult swim. (laughs) Anybody remember adult swim as a kid? I hated adult swim. You're in the water. You're just getting used to the temperature. You're in your second round of Marco Polo. And then, (laughs) kid's out. Ah, You get out. You sit on the lounge chair. You got your towel over you. And for 20 minutes, in this huge pool, you watch four adults, big hairy guys on a raft. Ah, swim. (laughs) If we're not careful, our walk with Christ, our church experience can become a lot like an adult swim where we're only spending time in a certain pool, at a certain time, with a certain group of people. Matthew 5, Jesus is saying, hey, if you're going to be a God with skin on kind of church, there's a move you're going to make. An intentional move as a church, and this is what it is. At some point, as a body, we move from sit and soak to go and be. From sit and soak to go and be. And in that, you're saying, God, you know what? I'm going to change my approach to the pool. I'm going to leave the comfort of my friends in-ground, which I love, and I'm going over there to the public pool where the people are. (laughs) Could be a little risky. Could be a little uncomfortable. Because you get there and the whistle blows, and here comes the lady with the gloves and the big net. (laughs) And you're like, I know what she's fishing out there is not a candy bar. You're not fooling (laughs) anybody. Nobody's fooled here. People walking around with open scabs and sores like it's no big deal, (laughs) kids with overloaded swim diapers, (laughs) a lack of body coverage that should be deemed illegal in the state of Kentucky, (laughs) and people wearing Speedos that should be called oh no's. (laughs) But you say, that's my pool and I'm getting in. How do you approach the pool? Different approaches, right? How many of you be honest? You're in church, don't lie in the presence of God. We love Jesus. How many of you are toe dippers? Like, you gotta ease in. Yeah, it's okay, all right? We know you. You get to the pool and you start with your toe, and you're like, please, please, water's still really cold for July. Right? Ease in a little bit more. And you gotta ease in. I love you. But that is not how you get in the pool. You know how you get in the pool? You get a running start. You run, your flesh is going everywhere. You launch yourself in the air. You tuck your knees under your chest and you yell, Banzai! And you cannonball. And the ripples, they start going out to the sides of the water and coming back in and going out and coming back in. And if you're a really big guy like me, they just keep going out and coming back in, going out and coming back in. That's not that funny. (laughs) But if the sides of the pool weren't there, those ripples, they just keep going and going and going long after your initial splash. And, church, I believe that's exactly what God had in mind for you and for me and for this church. A life that touches a life, that touches a life, that touches a life. And long after we're gone, the ripples, they're still going. Sit and soak. Or go and be. I think every one of us sits here right now and goes, That's what I want. I want that life of impact, but I don't know how to pull that off. What's that look like? And this is why I love the person of Jesus. Jesus, who in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission said, Go, he doesn't leave us hanging. Like any great teacher, he models and he shows what that looks like. This morning, we're gonna camp out for a few minutes in Luke chapter 19. And we're going to see Jesus cannonball into the life of a guy named Zacchaeus. And in this encounter, he's going to clearly show us how we can move from toe-dippers to cannonballers. We're going to see Jesus cannonball in the life of this guy. Very boldly invite himself to this man's house for dinner. One thing I love about Jesus is Jesus loved food. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I'll see you at Golden Corral at noon. Um, (laughs) He loved food. Even more than that, though, he loved people. And even more than that, he loved to eat food with the people that he loved. And so let's pick up here in this encounter beginning in verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Now let's pause there for a moment. If you've never read the Bible, let me kind of paint a picture of Zacchaeus and who he was. Zacchaeus was kind of the Bernie Madoff of his day. Anybody remember Bernie Madoff? Yeah, the guy milked thousands of people out of their investments in their retirement. He uh, jetted around on private planes and wined and dined local politicians. Zacchaeus is kind of the Bernie he made off of his time. He's wealthy. uh, He's a tax collector. He's kind of a big deal. (laughs) And he's a thief, and people can't stand him. But on the other side of the coin, he's also kind of the Danny DeVito of his day, right? (laughs) Because he's so short, he can't even see over the crowd on his tippy toes. And so let's picture what we have here in this moment. We have one of the wealthiest men in Jericho, who's kind of a big deal, running ahead of the crowd... And climbing a tree in a designer suit. (laughs) And if you know anything about Jewish culture and men at the time and their dignity and their pride, two things. They didn't run anywhere. They didn't climb anything. (laughs) Because that would have been beneath them. But here you have Zacchaeus running and he's climbing. Why? Because he really wanted to see Jesus. Jesus. But he wasn't so sure if he wanted Jesus to see him. And guys, I think that's where a lot of our friends are, where we live, work, and play. I think a lot of our friends, I think down deep in their heart, they go, Man, I really want to see Jesus. But they're not so sure if they want Jesus to see them. And so can you imagine the shock when this goes down in verse 5? <laughs> Look what happens. It says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Let's not miss two really important things here. Number one, he calls Zacchaeus by name. He makes it personal. And with that, he tells Zacchaeus, Buddy, you matter to me. And then he has a meal with him. Back in that time, enemies didn't share a meal. It was a sign of friendship. And so we see that Jesus, even before he had met Zacchaeus, he already considers him to be a friend. And I think that's maybe why Zacchaeus responds the way he does in verse 6. It says, so he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. That verse tells me one thing about Zacchaeus. He didn't have any friends. The dude ate well, but he ate alone. Jesus knew that. When Jesus looked at him, he didn't see a thief. He saw a really lonely guy who needed a friend. And that's what go-and-be people do. That's what go-and-be churches do. He says, Zach, I need to hang out with you today, buddy. Why? Not because Jesus needed to, but because Zacchaeus needed Jesus too. And right here, here's what I want us to get this morning. Jesus starts to kind of unpack for us what I would call kind of a 3D mindset of what go-and-be churches do and how go-and-be people live their life for the community how many of you like 3D movies? Like when you go, you'll pay the extra money for the experience? Yeah, absolutely. Something magical happens. You put on those glasses and whoa, you see everything differently all of a sudden. You got asteroids and meteorites coming to your eyeballs and you're dodging things and your popcorn even looks bigger and you feel like you got a dinosaur in your lap. Ah! Everything looks so different. And Jesus is saying, I want to teach you how to see people differently, how to look at your mission and your calling through even a different lens. And the first thing he teaches us is in this encounter is that, like him, we need to decide to engage. We make a decision to engage. Jesus decided to get involved in the life of Zacchaeus. He intentionally went through the town of Jericho. He had no other reason to be there. My wife Tara and I, over the last couple of years, have been praying to God, saying, God, would you show us kind of where our going would be? place is? For years, we've eaten a lot of meals, as you can tell, at Ponderosa Steakhouse. This lady, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Sorry about the food poisoning or whatever happened over there. We love that place. I know some of you go, do those even exist still? They do. They do. And uh, some of you might look at that and go, man, that's kind of an eight-track restaurant in an iTunes world. I get it. But we love that place. And over the years, by frequenting that place often, they had me at buffet. We've gotten to know the workers there. Sometimes they sit down and talk to us. They'll talk about addictions they're struggling with. They'll share about brokenness in their families. And one day, a guy who's been a dishwasher there for years, he told me that he gets up at 4 o'clock every morning. He takes the bus to Burger King and opens Burger King. Works there till 2 o'clock gets on another bus and comes to Florence and works three to close at Ponderosa, seven days a week. And I thought, that guy could never come to church even if he wanted to. So how do we bring the church to them? And so our wheels started turning, and my my best buddy Clark Eric, who goes to this church, he's one of our deacons, we're in a small group together. We came up with something we started back in October. One Sunday morning a month at 8 a.m. we go there, and we have what's called behind the grill. (laughs) Chill and Phil. That's what it's called. <laughs> Sounds like some type of CSI murder mystery show tonight on Behind the Grill, <laughs> or a reality show. But we do there. Here's a picture. of We go in there. It's not mandatory. Anybody can come. We usually have eight to twelve of their staff who come before they even have to be there. Most of them take the bus. They let us come in there, and we take them a hot breakfast, and we serve them, because they're always serving everybody else, right? We have a Bible study and a devotional, and we bring Bibles in a translation they can understand. We have a time of prayer, and we leave a a prayer box for the month where they can put prayer requests in, and we check it once a week so they know they're being prayed for. i got to tell you, one of the sweetest sounds was when people there are dropping prayer requests, and there's profanity in the midst of their prayer request. Now, please don't go, Chet's saying he likes profanity. He's preaching? That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is what a beautiful sound to see people who are so far from God who would never darken the doors of this place, all of a sudden trying to get to know the person of Jesus. What a gorgeous sound. Let it fly. But we made a decision to engage. Jesus is doing this with Zacchaeus. He hangs out, they're out on the deck barbecuing. And we see another thing in this 3D mindset Jesus teaches us is that then we then discover their story. Jesus does a lot of listening. He doesn't talk about himself, ask a bunch of pressing, pressing questions. They're just sitting there hanging out on the deck, eating up, going back from some more nacho, chili dip, whatever. And he's just listening to Zacchaeus talk. And Zacchaeus is unpacking his childhood, his upbringing, what he's done, a little bit about his work, maybe what he's struggling with right now. And Jesus just keeps listening. At some point I picture all the guys moving to the man cave and they turn on the 65 inch plasma and they're gathered around the game because it's Monday night football. Epic battle showdown between the Jericho donkeys and the Jerusalem camels. It's big. (laughs) And they're all there watching the game. Yeah, come on, bring it. Their defense is not on tonight. When all of a sudden Zacchaeus quiets the room in verse 8 and he goes, look, Lord. And they're like, mute the game. He says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What? (laughs) I got to think, Jesus just about choked on his chips and salsa in this moment. Why? Because up to this point, Jesus had mentioned nothing about money, about giving, his prayer life or Bible devotional time. He hadn't mentioned anything about Zacchaeus' past or his sinfulness. Why? Because Zacchaeus wasn't a project. <laughs> he was his friend. And Jesus right here shows us a third thing and what a 3D mindset looks like when we're going to go and be, and that is that we then determine what they need. We determine what they need. See, Jesus determined what Zacchaeus needed. And what he needed was not a Bible study or an invitation to church at this point. He needed a friend. He need a friend, and I want to call a time out here for a moment, and I want to celebrate so much of the go and be ness that's already happening in this church. Because church, you're rocking this already, and we need to celebrate that. And I could stand here for hours; I don't have that kind of time. But I want to highlight a few that we need to celebrate as a body. One of these happened just yesterday. A thing right here called Tent Days. Man, if you're new to our church, this is incredible. We have a group that every week throughout the year goes out into two Boone County communities. Kids and families come out from the woodwork and they take food and they do crafts with kids and they play games and they build relationships with families and their kids. That's Go and Be stuff. That's existing for the community. Many of you are aware of Go Pantry. As an educator, I've seen this firsthand change the lives of kids. We have in Boone County over 7,000 kids who benefit from this. Who the only time they would eat without this would be when they're at school. March 11th through 25th, we're going to have an opportunity as a church to make what are called Go Boxes. Cool thing, this ministry was started by people here in First Church. It's amazing. We're going to make Go Boxes where you can go with your family, a small group, some friends. And we're going to make Go Boxes so when these kids are on break on a weekend, spring break, summer vacation, they still get to eat. That's Go to Be stuff. As a church, we'll never forget sweet Sophia Kappen. We pray for her. We love her family. We pray for them to this day. And one great way to keep her memory alive and to honor her is we're going to do a Go and Be event a week from Tuesday night right here. We're going to have a blood drive that day from noon to six. That's a simple Go and Be opportunity. Another thing you might not be aware of is when you walk up these doors, you go down the lot to our student ministry building. Several weeks out of the year in the wintertime, we bus out men from the emergency shelter of northern Kentucky Men, when they're overflowing there, would be homeless and sleeping on the streets in single-digit temperatures. We have a volunteer that goes down and picks them up. They're here every night for a week. We do this for several weeks. They come in the building and then check this out. When they show up, there's beds made for them. They have a hot meal that's prepared. People spend the night here with them and listen to their stories and encourage them. They send them out with a bag of lunch. That's go and be stuff. One of my personal favorites, though, happened here in this very room in December during Old Kentucky Christmas. Our leadership made a really awesome uh, decision this year to say, how could we use our facility for the community during this time? Four nights straight, we hosted different choral groups from public schools here in Boone County. I was here for two of those, and it was huge. I started out as a music teacher, and I can tell you, one of the most disheartening things is to work all year on music, and then have your performance in a cafeteria. <laughs> this sounds terrible. You can't fit on both those stools. You're like, ah. Or kids are—you know, you got middle school band, which is like a version of hell as it is playing music. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're on a bleacher. <laughs> That's my baby. Why didn't he like sports? <laughs> miserable. But I sat back here in the back both those nights, and I heard parents of these kids going, I can't believe they did this for us. This is like being in music hall. We take this for granted. But to those kids and families, man, their kids are up on the screen, they got professional sound, there's a green room in the back with food, and everything was set up and torn down for them. That's going to be kind of stuff. Where we said, you know what? Our facilities, they're not really just for us. Okay? We don't want to be facility rich and people poor around here. How can we use every ounce of this space for our community? And I could go on and on. I just want to celebrate the go and be that's already happening here. But church, let's not stop. (laughs) Let's not stop. Let's keep dreaming and asking, what if and why not? If you've never been down to the student ministry building, you need to go check out that building. It's amazing. And while there's great things that go on that building, that building sits empty a lot during the week. So what if we said? What if something like that could be a community center seven days a week? A hub for our friends to come, have a food court in there, and come and share a meal together with free Wi-Fi? What if you had a playscape where stay-at-home parents could come and connect with their kids and have a place to come and just hang out and meet other people? Kids taking private lessons, people having free rooms for birthday parties, businesses coming and having leadership conferences, seven days a week, a community center. Because it's for them, Right? What if we had another gathering place, another hub on our campus for special needs families with play, playground equipment and an environment that was conducive to what those kids really need? And those special needs families could come and find support in one another and kind of a me too kind of moment. What if we could have date nights for those parents and we have a date in six or seven years? Wow. That's what Jesus is talking about here. To look around. To listen. To determine what our friends need and as church make it happen. Jesus decided to engage Zacchaeus. He took time to discover his story and to determine what that guy needed. And because of that, this story has a beautiful ending in verses 9 and 10. Look, it says, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. (laughs) Awesome. In church history, we find out that Zacchaeus eventually left the tax-collecting business, and he went on to be an elder of all things in the church of Caesarea. Spent the rest of his life ministering to and pouring into people whose lives were far from God. And it all started because Jesus intentionally chose to cannonball into his life. And Zacchaeus' life rippled out on another person. He rippled out on another person. A life that touched a life that touched a life. First Church, we have that opportunity right in front of our face right now to leave here, to go and be, and have a life that touches a life that touches a life with ripples that keep going long after we're dead and gone. You ever seen those missing child posters? Yeah, you can see them on the doors of gas stations, sometimes on a bulletin board at the post office. Sometimes we get them as flyers in our mail. A few months ago, I was standing over our trash can. we get a plethora of junk mail. And I'm just sitting there, I'm just chunking it as fast as I can into the trash can. And I see one of those as I'm going, and I literally just kept going. Take the trash out, bring the cans back the next day. A couple days later that week, I take the first bag of trash out for the weekend. As I open up the can... I look in the bottom of the can, and looking up at me is one of those missing child flyers. And on it is the face of a girl who was six years old. And I look down at that, and it was like a kick in the gut. And I thought to myself, when did this stop bothering me? (laughs) When did this not bother me anymore? When did I cross that line? This is somebody's daughter. This is somebody's granddaughter. It's somebody's sister. If that was one of my boys on that fire, I would turn Earth upside down to find them. And I would assemble the largest search and rescue team in the history of the world. And I would pour out every dime I have and every second of time that I possess into that search and rescue effort. Church, hear me. God wants us to feel the exact same way about his kids who are missing. They're not here yet. He's called us to do more than play church. We can check a box or we can go change a life. And I ask you right now to be thinking about right where you live, work, and play. Who is it in your unique circle of influence who's going, have you seen me? Just like that flyer asked that question, have you seen me? You have people where you live, work, and play going, hey, do you see me? The cubicle next to you. The bleachers you sit in for hours watching competitive volleyball. When you're getting your hair done. The bar you frequent. Wherever you go, who there is going, have you seen me? There's an empty chair in this room with their name on it. Sit and soak or go and be? Toe dipper or cannonballer? First church, I say we get wet.